tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm glad that you're here as we talk through these Psalms of Ascent. This particular Psalm, Psalm 132, is a very interesting one, and we'll walk into it as we go into that. But it's good to be together as we uh, um, share time together. Uh, lots of, been a great week. I know it's been hot for some, but how many of you seen the sunrise or the sunsets this week? And they've been incredible. And I think this is a picture of one. That's my block right there. And uh, um, just an incredible, beautiful sunrise or sunsets. Obviously, that's a sunset. Sunrise is facing the other direction for me, but uh, such beauty. Uh, you know, we can count on the sun rising and setting each day. It's a sure thing, right? Uh, like, like the, like, uh, it's like a promise that's being fulfilled every day. And uh, it's, it's that faithfulness and surety of the sun rising each morning that is used to describe God. Uh, we've been looking at a while back and, and even a couple uh, Sundays ago of mentioning uh, a Bible verse in the Bible book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23, is really the apex of the book of Lamentations. And it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. In other words, they're sure. They're going to happen. They're going to continue to be there. They are new, which means that actually the word there is fresh, every morning. Now, the, the Hebrew word there for every morning is as sure as the sun rises. That's, that's the wording there. So it's basically, you can read it this way. His mercies uh, are sure, they are fresh, and like the morning sun, they will rise, they will be there. Great is your faithfulness, God. Uh, that, that same visual is brought out in the Bible book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 3, saying God's actions, his promises are as sure as the sun rising. In other words, God is true to his promises, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, that's Jesus. And that, it, it, that is why it is through him, Jesus, that we utter our amen, which means so be it, to God for his glory. As God promised redemption from sin, connection with him, and guidance through all of life, if we turn his direction to all, all those promises are sure, as if the sun are going to rise in the morning, and find their answer in Jesus. John mentioned, as he was introducing things, Emmanuel. It's another name for Jesus, which means God with us. And God also desires for us to be people who make promises and keep them, uh, that we are people of promises, to let our yes be yes and our no be no, as Matthew 5, 37 says, to, to be honest and not lie, as Colossians 3, 9 says, and to live with integrity, as Proverbs 20, verse 7 says. The word integrity uh, um, in the Hebrew literally means it's the same all the way through. There are no cracks. There are no uh, fissures. There, it's all solid all the way through. What you see is what you get. In other words, you're going to hold true to the promises you say are going to be followed through as if the sun were going to come up in the morning. Making and keeping promises are important. They build trust with others and strengthen our character. You see, integrity and honesty, uh, being a person of promise, uh, are all built as we make and keep promises. Breaking promises devalues, disrespects, and degrades. And many of us have had to deal with broken promises in life. 
from a vow, marriage vow broken to a broken contract to, to friends who have broken confidences, even companies that have made promised to give a good product or excellent service and have fallen well short. And to add to this is all the confusion in the interpretation of promises, where one felt the promise was fulfilled and the other was not. We tend to do that when we don't like the outcome as we had hoped, like when God doesn't deliver the way we want or when we want. But 2 Peter 3.9 is really clear. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, God is faithful to his promises, and we should be too. We should make promises to God and keep them as to him as well, all the while trusting in the promise of God's solid character and his interaction with us. For trusting in God's reliable promises brings hope and confidence in life. And that's where these pilgrims were as they made their way to Jerusalem to better connect with God. And a number of times a year, they were to make their pilgrimage, their travels to Jerusalem to go worship in the temple in Jerusalem because that's where they connected really with God and that's where God dwelt was in that temple at that time and they were making their way to interact with God and delve into a deeper relationship with God and they sang these songs of ascent all the way through. They they, they, they sang, sang songs and read about his provision, his care, his help and they were brought to Psalm 132 a song all about promises. It reveals a promise some leaders made to God, God's promises to David, and God's promise to us. Now this psalm encompasses much of the history and teachings of the whole Bible, all, all, all showing making a promise to God is a good thing and that God has made promises to us. And so in trusting in God's reliable promises, it does bring hope and help and confidence in life. And so I'd like for us this morning to explore this very interesting Psalm of Ascent uh, and discover these three ways to make and take in promises with God. But before we do, uh, why don't you stand with me and let's pray and ask God to teach us. I'm glad you're here this morning on this holiday weekend. Uh, And there's a reason why God has you here. There's something he wants you to gain. Maybe you've already gained it from the time of worship. Maybe you've already gained it from the time of meeting with people, but now as we delve into his word, there is something for you here. Let's ask God to reveal that to us. Father God, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just think of how these pilgrims would make their way to Jerusalem and and they would come to these Psalms and in each Psalm, there was something for them to prepare them to interact with you. And Lord, we're here interacting with you. We know that you don't dwell in a temple anymore. You dwell in our hearts if we believe in you and you are present in this room. And so, God, I'm asking that you would reveal to us what you would want us to gain from our time together this morning from your word. Bless it and use it to your glory, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat and uh, take out the worship folder that you were handed when you walked in. If you're online with us, uh, this is available somewhere online. You can find it there. There's also a number of helps online that you can look to and and encourage you with that. Uh, If you're here uh, in person, you can pick up also one of these study guides there. If you go out these double doors, turn right. There's a desk of of resources there. This is in there. There's a lot of uh, extra verses because this psalm encompasses much of the Bible and I tried to put out as many of the verses uh, where those things come from. There's also some great questions. Many of our life groups use this as their study guide for their life groups or small groups. But we're hoping that you take this time in God's word and use it for a launch pad to, to help your own personal study. <clears throat> we provided a, uh, 
section on our webpage called Revive to help you. Uh, it has links and different things that we put on there that will help. We also have a link to our podcast that we do each week that will help you as in your study if you'd like. This is by far the longest of these Psalms of Ascent. Some say it is actually the key point of all their travels and movement towards a better connection with God. Uh, they're moving towards God because he is trustworthy and he follows through with his promises. He is, uh, and this Psalm challenges to uh, us to be faithful to God, following through with our promise to love him and to, to make new promises to him. Uh, it, it comes all down to trust. Do we trust God? And really, as you walk through faith and life, that's it. Do you trust in what he says in his word and, and, and trust in his character enough to keep moving forward? For trusting in God's reliable promises brings on hope and really confidence for life. And so these, this first of these three ways to make and take in God's prom, take in promises with God is by following David and Jacob's example. Now, we'll talk about David and Jacob in a moment, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the Bible book of Psalms and find Psalms uh, 132. Is that me? Somewhere. Here we go. How's that? Here we go. Uh, one third, let me read through the, and I'm going to hit certain parts as we talk through this. Psalm 132. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor. Now, if you know anything about King David of the Bible, he was very favored by God. He was called a man after God's own heart, despite his sin. Uh, but God gave him favor. David kills the ten thousands. David does this. He's an amazing, incredible. He, he, he gathered together these mighty men that were individual armies in themselves. And David had God's favor on, and the hand of God was on David. And what he did just turned to gold. It was amazing. But the psalm goes on. It says, Remember, O Lord, David's favor and the hardships he endured. David had difficulties in life. Uh, he was not seen as king, king material. Actually, the, the, the prophet Samuel came to uh, Jesse, uh, the, uh, David's dad, and said, hey, God has told me that one of your sons is going to be the future king of Israel. And so he had all his sons parade in them, and, 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 and Samuel didn't get any indication that any of these sons, and they were handsome, and they were tall, and they were amazing king-looking. And, uh, and, and he goes, do you have any others? He goes, well, yeah, I have a, a younger son, a little scrappy guy. He's out with the sheep. Well, bring him in. He's the one who gets anointed. He wasn't seen as king material. Uh, he had to face giants, giants of issue. <laughs> he, hunted, he was hunted by his father-in-law, King Saul, who happened to be also his best friend's dad. Uh, David also sinned against God several times. He was not perfect. He went through hardships. Finally, when he uh, settled the kingdom and he wanted to bring the, the Ark of the Covenant, you know the Ark of the Covenant, that Raiders of the Lost Ark thing? Uh, that, 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 uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant that, that Moses was built in the wilderness that to kind of, in a sense, be where God's presence would be in the tabernacle. That was not in Jerusalem, and David wanted to bring it into Jerusalem, and so he did. And there was some trouble. <clears throat> and and uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, the cart was moving that the oxen were bringing, the ark was, was tipping, and Uzziah went to reach for it, touched it, and died instantly. Now, that's a whole story. You're going, why would God do that? There's major reasons why. Read the story and see if you can figure it out. If you need to ask questions, come see me later. But it took three more months 
until the ark, a symbol of God's presence, came to Jerusalem. And it was a great day. David saw it coming in. He wasn't even fully dressed. He ran out in the street in kind of his underwear and began to start dancing around. Woo, God is here. Yeah, moving God. Yeah, you're great. And he was so excited about that. His wife looks out and sees this and just slaps her hand to her forehead and go, I cannot believe this. And then she rebukes him later and say, how can you, the king of Israel, be so undignified to go and dance before God like that? And David, I love his answer. He said, I will be even more undignified in this because it's not about him. He wanted to do anything to praise God because he had a heart that was centered on God. He believed in God's promises. David loved to worship God. If you ever doubt that, just read through the Psalms, ones that say the Psalm of David, and you see the depth of his heart there. But David had hardships. Let's read on in Psalm 132. (laughs) David talks, he says, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. In verse, in verse two, he said, I swore to the Lord and, and I vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Now we'll talk about what the mighty one of Jacob is in a little bit, but um, Jacob is the brother of Esau, uh, named Israel by the, uh, and the father of the people of, of Israel. And much of the Old Testament is about that family, a family who, when we come to faith, are adopted in to that and all the promises that are given to God's people. And Jacob also made a promise to God. Verse 6, behold, uh, we heard of it in Ephrathah. That, that's, a, that's another name for Bethlehem. And we found it in the fields of Ja'ar. That, that's, that's where the, te- the ark lived in a tent until it was built, until a temple was built by King Solomon and all of that. Verse 8, arise, O Lord, and go to the resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your saints be The saints shout for joy for the sake of your servant David. Do not turn away your face from your anointed one. When it says, O rise, O Lord, those are actually literally the words uh, from the used by King Solomon when he dedicated the temple and brought the ark into the Holy of Holies, that place where the ark sat and big huge curtains separating the rest of the the temple from uh, all the different articles that were there. It's, it's, it's a reminder uh, that we are going to um, connect with God. As these people were reciting this, they were being reminded that they're going to connect with God as they enter into that temple. Now, they're not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. They're mostly in the outer court there, but they're going to be getting close to where God is because God dwelt in that temple. You see, long ago, David felt uneasy that he was living in a nice palace, and yet God was living in a tent. If you want to read about that, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. So David made a vow. He promised to build God a house. But God said no. And so he did all he could to make the preparations. Yes, David's heart was to build a temple, <clears throat> but God has his reasons. Why not? And so instead of fighting God or doing it anyway, David did all he could to assemble as much supplies as he could and resources he could. If you want to read about that, read the Bible book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 22 to, to somewhere near chapter 28. See, one of the points here is, is out of love for God and appreciation for all God had done, David made a promise to God. 
not for self-gain or to show how important David was, but out of a heart of gratitude. Gratitude to God. So the question comes is, is, it, is do we appreciate God? Do we appreciate and love God enough to make promises to Him? Or are we more concerned about the promise He's made to us? The challenge here and the challenge in this psalm is to follow David's example and make some promises to God. A promise, yes, is, is being obedient to God to follow what He asks us to do. But an even greater step of, 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 of a promise is being more specific and in line with God's purposes. Just to say, I'm going to do this because I said I would. Now, I don't know if you know that there's a whole movement going out called Because I Said I Would. It's all about promises. It started from a, uh, I think it, was, it might have been Silicon Valley executive or it was some kind of executive in a um, uh, technical realm. He gave an uh, uh, a, um, obituary or, or uh, eulogy to his father and his father was all about keeping his promises. And that so moved him, he just started a, a movement <laughs> that, that, with he, that he had these little cards that say, because I said I would, and you can write to that company, they'll send you cards, and you, send, you write on promises that you're going to make, and you either send it back to them or give it to other people, and, and people are making promises all over the place. For us, with God, we, we know God says to give. Like Malachi 3.10, we're to, to give to God. And, and, but a promise is more like how we've been talking about a faith promise. I'm going to give to God because that's what he asked me to do. That's obedience. Now, a promise is a little bit more than that, saying I'm gonna, now I'm going to make a promise. God, I'm going to give this amount to you, and I'm just going to trust you're going to bring it. I'm giving it like you're going to give. And if you're with us at all, and we've talked about faith promise, that's what faith promise is. If you want to know more about faith promise, I'll have that desk there, and online it's available there. You can read about what we understand as faith promise. But, but, uh, it, or it could be a promise to get involved in ministry, to be used of God in that way, or not just to know and love one neighbor, kind of appeasing the call that Jesus made on, to us in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, where he says, love your neighbor as yourself, but to, but to love your whole block or, or our fellow teammates or uh, apartment floor or classmates or maybe something else. But what is a promise you might make to the Lord? As we share in communion today, I want to encourage you to, to think about a promise you might want to share with God. For making a promise to God is a good thing. David did, and we can follow his example. But it was not just David who made a promise to build a house. It was also Jacob, the mighty one of Jacob. Jacob was running from his brother Esau, and he stopped to sleep, and he used a rock for a pillow. Genesis chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. And he had a dream. And there were angels ascending and descending from heaven there. And and, uh, Jacob's woke up and said, boy, this place is special. I'm going to call it Bethel, which means house of God. And he, and he said in Genesis 22, or 28, 20 to 22, that this pillar will be a house of God. Now that's as far as he got. <laughs> he only created a pillar, uh, but it was a start. So both David and Jacob, their promises were to give God space. How could we follow David and Jacob's promise and give God space in our life. Maybe it's being more consistent in our time with him. And that's one of the reasons why we have this fall focus that's coming up. We create a devotional so that you will take time and make time 
to interact with God. It's a very simple devotional. It's just simply scripture, a few insights, and then an opportunity to write down S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And it gives you an opportunity to interact with God. I encourage you to pick one of those up. You may not have some cash with you today or a way to do that. I think we can Venmo. Yeah, we can Venmo. You can do that as well. Uh, <clears throat> but pick one up today and, and, and begin to start in a couple of weeks. Just kind of go over it now but you, so you'll be on track with us. But I encourage you with that. Or it's not just a, the devotional, but also being involved in church. Maybe making church a little bit more of a habit. Or maybe being more consistent with the life group or, or seeking him more. The truth is God has given space to us. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God has made space for you and me. Jeremiah 29 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When we make space for God, he will show up. So let's make promises to God for he has made promises to us and trusting in God's reliable promises brings hope and confidence to life. The next of these ways to make and take in promises with God is to be inspired by God's promise to David. Now look at just a, a verse 10 also he made that, you know, do not forsake your Servant David, they're, they're saying him, don't turn your face from the anointed one that's talking about David. And it's in verse 11. The Lord swore an, swore an oath. The Lord swore an oath, swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body will set on your throne. If your sons keep my commandments and my testimonies, I shall teach them and their sons also shall sit on the throne forever. You know, God made a promise to David. And in his verse 12 was talking about that if it also comes with a qualification if they walk with God they'll be blessed too now the truth is not all of David's kids walked with God but God is still going to keep his ultimate promise that there would be a, a, a king that would sit in the throne forever even though these other kings and, and David's line went all the way through but it, the, its ultimate uh, fulfillment is in Jesus Jesus of Nazareth Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, would come from David's line. Now, that, we're going to talk about that in a little bit more in that, but Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. If you want to read the genealogies of Jesus that go back to David, both uh, his mom and his dad, is really his stepdad and his mom, uh, they, they all come back. Matthew 1 is there, and, and Luke 3 all give those genealogies. Because Isaiah foretold all this in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's Jesus Born in Ephrata, and born in Bethlehem. That's Jesus. And the Bible book of the Revelation puts that capstone on that promise. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, has made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's Jesus. 
God fulfilled and is fulfilling his promise to David. He can be trusted. For trusting in God's reliable promises brings hope and confidence in life. So we're to follow him and be inspired not only to live life God's way, but to make our own promises to him. David and Jacob made promises. God's made promises to us. So why wouldn't we make promises to God? The last of these ways to make and take in promises with God is to place hope in God's promise to us. There's three major promises that God has made in these last few passages. The first one is that God's promise to dwell among us. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Psalm 132. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I would dwell, for I have desired it. Zion is not only Jerusalem, but it's also God's people. And because we've been, if you come to a place where you believe, you are grafted into that, and that's that place, and God now will make his home with you. John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave you the right to become children of God. That, that, that when we come to that place where we understand that we're sinful and that we need a Savior, and that it's Jesus, and we get that, then we become part of God's forever family. We are his people. That's why I love, uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. This is, this is who we are in God, this belonging that we have. But you are a chosen race, those who have come to uh, faith in Jesus. Uh, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, when we come to faith in him, all the, the, the ramifications of our sin are, has been dealt with, and we now can walk in freely and enjoy that reality, that abode, that home with God. We have belonging. We have purpose. We have a path of life. We're part of God's family. We have a family business, <laughs> and we're part of that. You're part of that. I'm part of that if you've come to faith in him. So we're to lean into that promise that God dwells among us. God also promises provision. Go back to to Psalm 132, now to verses 15 and 16. I will abundantly bless her, that's speaking of Zion, speaking of God's people, her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread, her priests. I will clothe with salvation and her saints who shout for joy. When you come to faith, you become a, 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 a minister, a priest with God, and that you, you are with him in that way, and he supplies our need, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That God, not, it's not always the way we want and in the timing we want. And yeah, sometimes believers in Christ go hungry and go really hungry. And God sometimes doesn't provide all what we think he should provide, but he does provide salvation and he will meet our needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. The psalm ends with that wonderful promise of Jesus. There will be a horn to sprout from David that I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Jesus is called Emmanuel in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, our leader and our Lord who will guide and protect and provide all we need. Remember 2 Corinthians 1, 20, for all the promises of God are found, find their yes in him, that's Jesus. That is why 
it is through him we have uttered our amen, our so be it to God for his glory. It all surrounds Jesus. He is the, he is the, the object of our worship. He is the, our hope and our help. And he is the one that can, can radically change your life and move it to where God wants it to be. And, and that's really what the, the whole ceremony of communion is about. And actually, we're going to celebrate communion right now. It's, there is an amazing ceremony that Jesus set up long ago that talked about God's promise. It was God's promise and the, the fulfillment of that promise that he would release uh, Israel from bondage in Egypt. It was a Passover meal that he had created and, and they were to celebrate that to constantly be reminded of God's promise. But in that ceremony was the promise of a future redemption and a future hope found in the, in the, in the elements of that time. And Jesus made him clear was he was sitting there with his disciples in the upper room and he pulled open the bread of redemption which was you know, torn in half saying it's going to be given to us later. And he said, took it and he said this and he broke it up to give to his, his believers there, his followers and said, this is my body given for you. This is, he is the bread of life. That when we take him in and, and, and it doesn't become his flesh, neither does the grape juice become his blood. It's just symbols. When we take in all of who he is, he is the sustenance of life. It's all found in him. And he is the, the, the center of that. And when we take communion, we're reminded that Jesus is our bread of life. If you really want to live, live, it's really found trusting in him, taking in that bread of life. And then during the ceremony, he also pulled out the cup of redemption, which really was never touched. But yet he picks it up and said, now there's a new covenant, a new arrangement with God and, and, and mankind. It's found through my death, my blood. The, the grape juice was red like blood. Again, it doesn't become blood. It was a symbol of death. And so they say, when you take in and understand that I've died in your place for your sins, you understand that, that that true redemption is only found because I died on the cross for you, Jesus says. And so when we take communion, we're reminded that not only is the bread of life, but that he is the only way of salvation and that in him, through his death, we now have the ability to live as God intended. Jesus said that he came that we might have life abundantly. The enemy comes only to kill, rob, steal, and maim, but he has come to give us an abundant life as we follow him and trust him. But you can't get anywhere unless you trust him. So we're gonna take a time of communion now, and I'm gonna ask the elders and those who, uh, leaders who are standing by the communion uh, tables, if you're uh, watching online, grab a, if you can, some kind of grape juice if you can, or just anything and, and some bread, and we can take that together. But those who are getting the communion ready, if you wouldn't mind standing to those stations. And we have stations around our room. There, There's a couple on the sides here, a couple in the back. And in a moment, I'm going to pray, and then you can be released to come and collect one of the elements. It's a special little one that has both the cup and the, the bread and the grape juice in it. And I'll lead you in taking that after this song is sung. But I want to encourage you to prepare yourself. If you have not yet come to that place where you believe in Jesus, you can. It's a very simple decision, but will impact you for the rest of your life. It's just coming to the place where you say, I believe in Jesus. I understand I'm sinful. I know I need a Savior. And I get it. Jesus is the answer. And you can come and, and you can just pray, and Lord Jesus, that's it. That, in the, you, in your own words. If, this happens all the time here, by the way. People uh, um, 
uh, coming afterwards, they'll tell me, Mike, I, I made that decision. I'm excited for you. And if you do that, I'd love to know. Uh, uh, you can even write it on that card there and, and turn it in and let us know. We'd send you some materials. Others of you, this is a great opportunity to think about what promises you're making to God. And maybe take an opportunity in this time. Make a promise to God, just like David, just like you might not, well, not, you might not build a house. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you will build a church. I don't God lives in us now, not in temples. But what promises could you make for God? Let me pray. And then when you're ready, you can come and collect these elements. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you. Thank you for the way that your promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And God, I'm asking that even now that there are some who don't know you would take that step of faith and just pray in their own words quietly to you and receive you and others of us who know you, we'd think about what kind of promises we could make to you. Bless this time of communion and we give it over to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.